0: All right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane. As always, I have with me Alex Friedman, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. I'm a sports chiropractor in North Scottsdale and we also work college wrestlers and work with either fighters or high level wrestlers right now. So, this week we are going to be talking about trying to help you along your training journey and trying to almost right the ship in some bad habits that could potentially be occurring that we see with the people that we work with, uh, as well as just in general, the bad habits that are kind of seen with
1: combat sports. So Alex, let's hit it. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about those uh, habits that you may not know are bad, or just how to get out of them. How can we, you know, light the fire, hit the catalyst, start the ship in the right direction, or right the ship, and then um, go on from there. And I think we've, we've come up with quite a, a list here that, we can address all types of area of your performance, but also, um, give you like a foundation to start this change on, you know, it's not going to be like a wholesale. Now I just train differently on Monday. It's got to be those small incremental steps where we create habits. We form, uh, just a better training paradigm around your body and give yourself a better environment and atmosphere to genuinely see success or to have fun, depending what your goals are, but get a better experience than, you know, some of the the more injury prone or grind it out type of lifestyle that uh, MMA or some wrestling can, can get to you. Well, and that's a good segue into the first one that I want
0: to talk about from healthcare is if you are grinding it out, You also need to know how to identify an injury early. What I see a lot with combat sports, whether you're recreational or professional in general, is that you, oh, I'm tougher than this, man, my finger hurts, man, my low back hurts. That's not a big deal. And you keep perpetuating, like you perpetuate your own bullshit for lack of a better word and continue to practice and practice and practice until this little little minor boo-boo turns into an actual fucking problem. Which makes you sit out for two months instead of if you took care of it in the first place, you went and saw somebody like, like me who understands your sport and you understand the biomechanics and the injury side of everything. And it can give you different ways to adapt and different ways to you can still practice, but also treat the low back in general or the shoulder or whatever it may be to try working on the condition.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think going back to our collegiate wrestling days, I think it either went one of two ways, right? You're, you're a tough guy and you never want to go see the other trainers. You never want to be in that room. So you just do your own thing and deal with what pain. And that was kind of the category I fell into, right? I didn't go see someone for my low back until I literally couldn't put my socks on. Um, or you're scared of being the guy that's always with the athletic trainer and then being a burden on people. And then everybody's calling soft and whatever else I feel like those are the two extremes that get perpetuated, at least in wrestling, but it doesn't have to be that way. It, it can be a maintenance routine or a correct uh, um, addressing of what's going wrong in your body or what you're feeling. It's, uh, it's something that you kind of need to swallow your pride and uh, take take a smarter approach rather than a quote unquote tougher approach.
0: Well, and, and some rules I tell people to live by whether, again, whether you're recreational or professional are, you need to focus on if this injury occurred, do you feel pain in the morning? So do you, I tell people 24 hours is typically what I give them. Do you feel actual pain 24 hours from now? If it's a yes, Hey, you should probably get that looked at. That means that it's not just soreness. That means that it's not just like something that's going to be very transient. The other thing is if you feel anything that you feel in two different places, so say low back pain with knee pain, or say you feel neck pain with wrist pain, anytime there's any sort of pain in two different places, most likely there's probably one central cause to it, which in reality tells me that you need to be able to go see somebody and get it checked out. Because the, the fact of the matter is when there's pain in two places, say neck and, sh- and shoulder and wrist, so three places, the higher like- the likelihood of that being completely separate is very, very low. With that, we want to make sure that you're actually treating that because that has a potential to progress faster then, oh man, I kind of hurt my wrist. I sprained it a little bit. I got wrist locked. That's going to be able a lot easier complaint than, oh, I have a radiculopathy. So a disc issue in my neck, that's also referring down to my wrist, which is what I'm talking about. So these two different categories, you need to know if you feel two places in the same area or in the same upper or lower body
1: you need to get that checked out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a huge thing with that, like you said, is awareness, you know, being aware of it. Is it happening the day after? Is it what's actually going on in your body? I feel like so many of us just numb it all out. We get numb to it because we need to keep working. We need to be a tough guy. We need to be the the practice champion, right? We need to be in the room every day. We need to win all the drills, which is, I think, another bad habit that I, I've experienced in a lot of wrestling rooms is guys that need to be practice champions that, just running into the ground and they set their drill pace so high that, you know, there's no real learning or playing going on. So I think that's a hundred percent. Another um, mindset to attack is that that idea that we need to be numb to pain and we need to just continually work harder and and quote unquote embrace the grind. I think there's a, a more aware, there's a more knowledgeable way to do that, which yes, there is time to play or there is time to work hard and, um, Hit your pace and go really fast, but there's also times that you need to genuinely help each other and take a technique a little slower or not maybe win the drill, but get the best out of the practice. Well, and I've fallen prey to this all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I,
0: until I officially switched from athlete to coach, man, I wanted to win everything. I'm not there to lose. Let's be real honest
1: here. You still want to win? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I always want to win. Everything, everything is a win or a lose, but, but in reality, like I see it all the time with my athletes right now is you feel like you need to win the sparring day, which can be detrimental to your overall health.
1: Yeah. And your long-term goals.
0: If you're leaving your best rounds in the spa, in, in sparring, something's fucking wrong. Right. So it's perpetuated with our striking sports versus our grappling sports in wrestling. Yeah. You like. I, I would be the first one to say, man, I, I kind of wanted to put it on people. Sometimes Weinman twins were fun to beat up on a little bit. (laughs) So like I, sometimes I wanted to put it on people and I was trying to win that day. Right. But nobody cares if you win that day. Everybody's like, Oh, win the day, win the year. No, that's not how the fuck that works. Sometimes not winning that day allows you to win the year. You need to know when you want to work on something. Say you want to hit a, you want to perfect getting your hips through on your double leg. You're getting stuck on the bottom. You're getting stuck underneath a sprawl. Well, guess what? If that's your goal, I don't fucking care if you win that go. I don't care if you win any go that day. I care that when you're doing that goal, when you're hitting your double leg and you're trying to get your hips through that you try over and over and over again, until you get those hips through, you're able to then get up on your double leg and eventually that will allow you to win the year, not the day. You can't think short-sighted when it comes to being a high-level athlete or just in general, when it comes to training in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Like like if we're actually thinking about practice and developing your game and getting better, um, if you're thinking about development, you're going to go to your weak areas or you're going to work into those weak areas and try and get better at them. But if you're worried about practice, about winning a round or about uh, winning a drill or whatever, what are you going to do? You're going to avoid your weaknesses and continue. And they're going to continue to be weaknesses and probably get worse. And then you'll be more predictable. You get into your set pattern, right? We don't want to reinforce that constant weakness by avoiding it. So that's a huge, huge different mindset than like the always forward, always winning mentality. Um, There are times to take it back a little bit and address your weakness and maybe lose a few goes, but you know, and has as been beat to death, but like losing is where you learn, right? That's where you learn your best things, and you're going to remember that a hell of a lot more than if you just, you know, went to your sweet shingle again and continued to, you know, wreak havoc with that. So um, diving into that, or just embracing the, 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 I don't know, without being too soft, the vulnerability of losing a go is going to ultimately be better in the long run than you know your short, short term ego. <laughs>
0: Well, and a lot of that, the co, it, it has to start at the top. Yeah. The coach needs to preach that, right? Whether you're a skill coach is what we're talking about now, strength coach, healthcare, whatever it may be, the person at the top that's leading the charge needs to be the one that makes that change because I know myself, the reason why I was such a, like, uh, I, I need to win this go and not to shit on any of my coaches. I've loved every coach I've had, but like, they were always looking down upon me. If I lost a go, they weren't looking for me to be a better wrestler. They were looking for me to have killer instinct, which I had, but that put me at a detriment as I got to the higher stages of my career. Okay. And the same can be said for striking. The same can be said for MMA. The same can be said for any, any sport in general, where if you're so focused, if, if you as the athlete feel as though the coach is only focused on you winning, then that's your only goal. When you go to practice, so us as coaches, we need to be the one to set the barrier. My fighters know I always pick three people when I go to sparring on Tuesdays and Fridays. And before they go into their first round, I say, Hey, what's your goal for the day? If Brett listens to this, he knows he's like, I'm a jab, a motherfucker up. He's been saying that the last three times, Ray, I'm working on body shots today. Hunter, I'm going high, low and focusing on my angles. Henry, I'm focused on staying composed. And making that connection as the coach to the athlete and being able to say those different things to the athlete and having them also say it out loud because that makes their goal a reality. Now two people know that goal. That makes the goal that much more powerful. Once they say it out loud and once you as the coach know what their goal is, you can call them on their bullshit. If some, if Brett, who's saying, I need to jab a motherfucker up, is only throwing crosses the entire time, actually only throwing hooks. So he's only throwing looping punches the entire time. What the fuck was you? What was the point of you saying that goal, right? You're not working on your goal. You're just trying to win. So that just brings all of that put together. That brings the entire full circle of the coach. And the athlete need to be on the same page that you need to be goal oriented, not just winning oriented.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's into the goal setting the or the coach setting the environment. And I think that's that's a huge factor when, when we think about like team culture or um, a- as a coach, how you influence your atmosphere, because. Whether you know it or not, how you act, how your demeanor, your expectations of your athletes definitely sets their behavior. You know, in our college wrestling room, you earned your starting spot in practice. If you weren't looking good in practice, you weren't going to start that week. Like, yeah, flat Dude, that's all I,
0: that is all I was worried about half the time was mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love Cody C and Mason are my boys. Mm hmm. They're they're my 141 crew, but when I was rolling with them in live goes, I didn't give a fuck about getting you better had to win. Practice, I right? only cared that I won the goes that I went with them. And you know what that did? The goes the goes that I wasn't with them when I was going with Sweeney, when I was going with Casey Einerson, when I was going with all these different people at a different weight class, dude, I didn't give a shit. Yeah, I I became a worse wrestler because. I knew that I was going to go with Cody twice and I was going to go with Mason twice. And I needed to save my energy for those goes in order to beat them so that I got my starting
1: spot. Right. And, and so, like you said, it's open. It's, up to the coach to open that air and to you know breathe into the actual process of getting better in training rather than just strictly winning all the time i mean and don't get me wrong winning is important it's a factor but it's not the exclusive factor. right when when we're talking about practice and when we're talking about competition so that the growth and that um like intrinsically motivated type of atmosphere where we're mastery oriented that's where i'm at a lot of the times with my strength and conditioning too and I, I like to say you know there's one reason, there's another, there's a reason that I love the weight room is you're never going to win. You're never done in the weight room. They're never, uh, like good enough or topped out at every quality at all times. Right. So there's always an aim in the weight room and there's always an area to fail. There's not, you don't have to be perfect in here. You don't have to be better than the next guy. When we're in the weight room, it's all about you and getting better and understanding what your body's doing and then how that can help you at your sport. So it's up to the coach to outline those expectations and then allow the athletes room for failure. I think that's that's a huge thing is not, not coming down on athletes when they don't get something right is, you know, accepting that. And even if you say you accept it and then you see somebody fail and you're like, hey, got to do better next time, you know, that's not truly accepting it. You got to, you know, you got to genuinely say, okay, you failed. And that's cool. Let's learn from it. And then let's try it again. You know, it's not... It's not, you have to be successful next time. So I think that type of environment is something that that can be addressed from a coaching side of things. If we're, if we're going to keep talking about getting rid of a bad habit is getting the coaches to buy into creating a mastery-based or mastery-oriented atmosphere.
0: Yeah. And so another thing digressing a little bit away from that is something I've touched on a couple of times and I'm going to harp on it again, because I'm going to say it in all the podcasts until all of you listen to me, please do a warm up do a yeah. real warm up don't do a bullshit warm up where all you do is shrimp down and back on the mat and that's mm-hmm. it right we've said it before i think we said it like 3 or 4 podcasts ago when you're doing a warm up there should be certain certain phases of your warm up that's going to give you the highest likelihood for success the first point is why do you do a warm up a warm up is going to set you up for an increased rate of sport sportability is that our word being an athlete I'm going to call it. It's a word now. Athleticism, um,
1: maybe is yeah, a better
0: word. <laughs> yeah, it, athleticism. A, a warm up is going to give you a higher likelihood of success when you go into your training. It's going to prep patterns. It's going to raise the heart rate. It's going to mobilize joints that need to be mobilized, and it's going to overall get to at the end your sport specific parts of the warm up. Right. So it's a ramping, raise the heart rate. Uh, then we're going to activate muscles need to be activated or patterns, is is how I use it mobilize joints that need to be mobilized and then sport-specific patterns. That's that's what we're doing. If you're only doing the P on the back end of this, you're setting yourself up for failure in the first place, right? And whether that be increase in injury risk, whether that be decrease in performance, all of these different things can be a factor if you're not warming up every time you get onto the mat, every time you step into the ring, whatever it may be, right? So I know I feel like I harp on it every podcast at this point, but your warm up doesn't need to be 20 minutes. You can get a really, really good warmup in, in 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes is typically what I say for people. Right. But when you only forego, or when you forego the things that are specific to you and you focus on the things that, Oh, I'm just going to shrimp as my up. I'm just going to flow roll. That's my favorite, favorite term in jujitsu is, Hey, we're just going to flow roll to get ready. Oh, you really think that Joe from the auto shop has any joint mobility when he walks into there, when he's sitting stooped over in his low back working on cars all day, you're telling me that his hamstrings and his hip joints are prepped. You're telling me his low back is ready to go. Fuck you. Like that's, that's not true. So if you really want to do this sport, talking to the recreational athletes and again, talking to both, but this one specifically for recreational athletes, because most professional athletes know how important it is to warm up. If you want to do jujitsu, for more than two years and get the blue belt curse and you go away when you get your blue belt, like everybody ever, you should probably start learning how to warm up and not just warming up, but warming up for you. You need to know your body. You need to know how to warm your body up. And then from there, apply that. Maybe you'll, you show up 10 minutes early, apply that into what you're already doing.
1: Yeah. And that's another thing. I think that individualization is key or to know what your specific thing is about, because I see. I see warmups happening a lot of the times. I know it's a lot of a lot of times this bullshit routine that's been preached that we do this exercise and that exercise and blah, 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 blah. And we just run through it. And then all of a sudden we're magically ready to go. Right. I think warmups get monotonous if they're the same every day. And I think that's that's just human nature. Right. If we can expedite something or make it a little bit quicker and be more efficient, that's what we're going to do. So. If I start in my quadruped position on my hands and knees and I do my, you know, fire hydrants for my knee goes to the side, if I do that 10 times every day before every workout, they're going to get, you know, systematically more lazy, more monotonous, worse as we go on. You know, if, if we genuinely have good focus on them, they might get better if we do them that frequently, but I think it's just going to become another ritual, another shitty habit that we get into. Right, and that's not why we're doing warm. We're not doing a warm up so that we can add more bullshit on top of the bullshit that we had before. So I think yeah. having an individualized put some purpose to it, and then and then varying it, changing it up every day or changing it up every week or something like that is just gonna allow for a lot more engagement. I mean, playing games is one of the biggest warm ups that I ever employ in my sessions. You know, there's a ton of mat games that you can play um, that go on that back end on that patterning type of thing, but those are great ways to have athletes engaged and to actually accomplish some of these warm up goals. You know what that sounds like a lot? Hmm.
0: It sounds like you should have a goal for everything, kind of something that we just <laughs> talked about, like a goal for your warmup, right? If you don't have a goal based around your up, if you're just aimlessly moving through, just kind of floating through your warm up, floating through your training, floating through your competition, you're not going to get better. right? Right. And the whole goal of doing a structured sport like jujitsu, doing a professional sport like MMA, doing wrestling in high school is to get better. You don't want to stay at the same level. The only way to get better is to adapt and overcome. That comes from having a goal, setting a goal, uh, going, overcoming that goal or meeting that goal, and then finding a new goal to go after you don't need to do the same hip mobility movement every single day before jujitsu forever. You need to have a variation of four to five and work on that until your hip mobility is not limited. Because guess what? When you work on a mobility deficit, typically it gets better, right? It's just like everything else. When you work at something, things fall into alignment. It's just what it's like the same thing. Like, If people aren't lucky, they train hard, that type of scenario, right? You're not lucky that your hip mobility deficit goes away. You trained your ass off. You did your hip cars. You did your hip, uh, your hip openers. You did your five-way hips. You did your hip switches into a shin box. You did all these different exercises to prep you before you went. You did that for a year straight. And guess what, man, your hips feel better. You're able to hit a sweep single a little bit better. You're able to play guard a little bit better. And that all comes from a movement prep or a focused warmup for you. And then from there, maybe that becomes, it puts on the back burner and maybe you got to work on trunk stability. Maybe you got to work on shoulder stability. Maybe you got kamora too much. Then from there, we can progress, 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 and make you ready to rock and roll for every single practice, every single competition, everything you do involving combat sports that can be boiled down to stability, mobility and being able to perform the tasks at hand.
1: That's it. That's really all it is. So if, so Austin, if you had a, like a general recipe for attacking bad habits or for, you know, starting a warm up, or, or changing your practice mindset, if you had a general recipe for that, do you, I, in my head, I think that setting goals and making everything, you know, have some purpose behind it is pretty high on the list, but what would you think of your kind of general recipe to attack these, bad habits that we've, we've identified in some podcasts previous or that uh, some of these guys maybe know about that happens at their gym? Uh, what's your, what's your way to start addressing? I got a couple um,
0: things that I do for myself and things that we actually started doing, me and Alex have started doing together um, that we've talked about that I think help with goals. So the goals are great, right? But the fact of the matter is not everybody i would actually say the vast majority of people are not self starters right so goals are really really good for self starters you know what's really good for the other 80% of people having somebody that can hold you accountable telling them what to do yep exactly not but not even telling them what to do if like in, in me and alex's dynamic if I don't get the podcast updated in time, if I don't post it on time, guess what? I got a text literally an hour after saying, Hey, what the fuck, dude? Like, where was this? Same thing. If, if we miss a podcast, say Alex isn't able to make it to a podcast. I say, dude, we got to figure this shit out. We got to get this podcast out. It's the exact same thing. We are holding each other accountable. That's, that's what it boils down to. And the best part about jujitsu and the best part about teams and the best part about combat sports is it's such a tight knit community. That you shouldn't feel up You shouldn't feel bad about asking somebody to hold you accountable, right? Whether it's your training partner, whether it's your coach, whether it's your family, all of these, th- there, those are three different avenues that you can say, "Hey, I want I- these are my goals. This is how I'm going to be happy. This is how I'm going to progress in what I want to progress to. Could you help me along the way? If you're seeing me not do what I said I was going to do, can you get? Can you just tell me right there?" That's an easy way for somebody to call you on your bullshit if you're not doing what you said you wanted to do and be like, look, you said you wanted to do this. Do you actually really want to do this? or Are you just blowing smoke up your ass? So like figure it out or shit or get off the pot. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my first thing is find somebody to hold you accountable. Cause that's honestly irreplaceable.
1: Yeah. And I think your, your, your partners and and the people that you're training with are the perfect people to do this. You know, I literally have people that, you know, ask me, it's like, can you text me every day of the session just to make sure that I get there? And, and I've had, I've done that before, but That accountability, in the long run, it's got to come from the person, like you said, being a self-starter. But that also shows a lot of leadership from the person, from everybody that's holding each other accountable, right? That's an opportunity that you can take advantage of to start your leadership and to take a position of uh, more responsibility on your team is holding everybody accountable to what they say they're going to do, to you know, correct training methods to, you know, um, not just going through the motions to having purpose in their drilling, you know, and not saying that you have to be a dick and you have to call everybody out every time that they don't do something perfect, but you have to help somebody realize that are their actions actually aligned with their, their goals or with what they have said that they want to do previous. So I think that's a, That's an important opportunity for people that are coaches or people that are leaders on the team is to take advantage of that accountability.
0: Well, it's one of those things, like my head coach Santino says it all the time: like, look, you say you want to be a UFC champ. Bro, you've shown up to four practices this week. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, it's one of those things. Like, even just a statement like that, that's just a gut check. Mm -hmm. That just that's that's just that gut check that maybe an athlete needs, or maybe they realize, Hey, I don't want to do this either way. Again, like we always, I, I we've said in the past, like there's no right answers either way. Yeah. The, the athlete learns either yeah. they don't, they don't want to do what it takes to be the best, which is cool. Not to brag about our situation, but like we have had Henry Cejudo at the gym. We've seen what it takes to be the best. He's still around the gym. He's still the same savage. He was when he was a double, when he was champ champ right? Mm -hmm. He's, I I literally saw him as a retired athlete go in there like two weeks ago and he just hit a bag by himself for an hour, no headphones in, no, nothing. Didn't talk to anybody, just hitting a bag, working on different combinations. That's what it takes to be the best. If you don't want to do that, you figure it out real quick. And again, that's okay. If you don't want to do that, but if you do have the goal to be a UFC champ, that's what it takes. And you need somebody to be able to, that, that can help you along that path, right? Because like I said, not everybody's a self-starter, but on top of that, it takes an army to get to that point. It's never going to be just one person. Yep. The the other thing on top of just having somebody hold you accountable is we always preach self-sustainability, self-starters, all these different things. Well, best way to be the self-starter that you can best self-starter you can be is actually write shit down. I know that's, I know Alex is, big on that i'm huge on it too i'm i'm not a big old like writer in text but i like to i actually update my calendar every day and like have a calendar that has like 17 different reminders to do shit so and that if like i don't
1: write it down i'm not remembering it i'm not learning it. i have no idea what's going on my life on in my life if i don't not panish. literally right next to me right now and it says podcast 7:15. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah
0: like and it's the same with me like i used to and I still kind of do think I, I'm not gonna lie here I think that I can do every like oh, I'll just remember everything with my stupid concussion ass can't remember yesterday let alone anything at all um, but I've realized if I don't put it in my Google planner if I don't put it in my Google calendar it I'm I'm going to overlook things if I don't put in all right, I need to do three social media posts this week. If I, I need to write four programs and I need to get these notes done by this day so I get paid, then I'm going to most likely forget the most important one is write these notes out so I get paid. because that's the one that's always on the back burner um so writing things down writing down your goals writing down your steps writing down actionable steps not just like oh i'm gonna go to the gym today and doing these different things are going to allow you to get to where you want to be and correct those bad habits that you want to write the ship on
1: right and and thinking about i mean just the the goals and writing things down make it you know specific to the week make it specific to the day make it um like austin said actionable and it's not like it's not like I'm going to warm up today. It's like, I'm going to hit this hip mobility during my warm up because I know that's a deficiency. That's a lot more involved than, and it's a lot more knowledgeable than I'm just going to warm up, you know? So it's, it's make it specific and then take those small steps that ultimately lead to a habit, right? If you do those small steps and you get, put some purpose behind something in a mindset that uh, enables it to be um, mindful or you're aware while that you're doing it that's going to create the habit and then that's something that's you just ingrained in your training and it's you wouldn't even think about you know rolling without mobilizing your hips or rolling without activating your core. it's just, it's just those those automatic levers that I think a lot of people a lot of people that are very successful get good at those automated um, type of processes and not that like, like like we're saying earlier not that they're just going through the motions and they're automatic as in their um mindless going through them, but they're automated as in they're built into their routine and that they're going to hit them regardless of the the outside scenario. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Correct. That was so good that I don't have anything to add to it.
1: <laughs> so that's a rare one. That's a rare one when we have Austin being speechless.
0: I know when, when I don't say things, it's crazy. Um, but digressing or going away from that, what are some things actionably, that you see that combat athletes can improve, we'll say in the strength and conditioning realm. What are some, let's say, three bad habits that you see that every single person can fix?
1: Um, every person can fix something. I mean, my biggest thing is consistency. Uh, getting to a point where you're consistent in that strength and conditioning routine, and that we have an actual, you know, goal and phase that we can build when I'm when you're missing every other week or every other session or. Uh, or you're just flat out not making it to change conditioning that's really hard to get a training effect when you get one session right yeah. so that yeah. consistency factor is is one of the biggest things that i that i harp on with people um god i don't know that everybody three bad habits i'm blanking
0: i know dude i'll put you on the spot for a reason
1: <laughs> you know? um i mean we can go to specific like anatomical awareness um just because i think mma athletes are more predisposed due to the culture of the the sport go balls out on everything to right to do everything as hard as they can as fast as they can into this uh when like we're saying with our drilling going as hard as you can may not be the purpose of the drill right how many guys do you have in a low bear going as hard as they can right it's not about that um Tenacity or that getting after it—it's about the awareness and it's about um, stabilizing, creating a better base than uh, than just sweating, right? Um, so consistency, uh, having some awareness of what the actual goal is in the specific training modality—and we've harped on goals a million times over today. Um, I'll let you. I'll let you slide with two. I'll let you slide right. with two. Please and please and thank you.
0: No, yeah. no, but I like that though. Like it's—I do a lot of. RPE work, right? It's rating ratings of perceived exertion when I'm training an athlete, right? So say like today, Hunter's conditioning circuit was 40 calories in the air bike, uh, a lateral sled drag down and back. So 20 meters and then banded wood choppers and his goal, it was per time. So it was 15 minutes. His goal for the entire 15 minutes was to stay at a seven out of 10 RPE, which is 70% of your maximum. If I get somebody that their first round on the bike is in, in 40 calories, they busted out in a minute and five seconds, which is what happened with Hunter's first time on the bike (laughs) for 40 calories. You learn real quick that you're not going to hit a minute and five seconds the second time on that bike. (laughs) And it's, it's, there's and as the athlete, you need to realize that the coach said seven out of 10 for a reason. And as the coach, that was my bad. I let him go. I should have stopped him when I knew that he was going to overreach and be like, look, dude, this is not a seven out of 10. You need to realize what that is because the fact of the matter is when you're in a fight, when you're in a competition, when you're in a wrestling match, you're not always at a hundred percent, right? There's lulls. There's little breaks in the action. There's all these different things. You're doing it for a reason. The goal is to stay at that RPE Because that's what the base pace of the entire fight should be at your base pace should be at a seven out of 10, just like in wrestling, like it's a shorter match. So in reality, your base pace should probably be at an eight out of 10. So it goes back to like, we talked about having a goal, but understanding the, not just having a goal, but understanding the purpose for what is going on. If you don't understand the purpose, if you don't know the why ask the question, because if the coach can't answer what the why is, If the healthcare practitioner can't answer why they're adjusting your back, if the skill coach can't answer why you need to put your hand on the wrist when you're getting off of the cage, when you're, when you're cutting out and getting off the cage, then they don't even know the answer. They don't know the reason, right? So then there, maybe that's not even the right thing that should be happening for you. But if you don't ask the why you never get educated yourself. And as an athlete, as a coach, as a trainer, as a therapist, you should be able to be educated on that topic.
1: Yeah, And I think and knowing the why is the, the basis is the, the, you know, primary step is the first step, but then, you know, helping your, I think it gets glazed over a lot, specifically like in your example, awesome, where you didn't help the athlete realize what is a seven out of 10, right? You have to explain the how in some sections series right you have to explain that this is how we're going to do do this thing to get to this goal when an athlete by default is going to do what they're comfortable with or what they're used to or or something like this i'm thinking and i think in my strength and conditioning realm i I can think of like kettlebell swings or trap bar deadlifts and like i've seen it with countless athletes that whatever amount of weight is on the bar is in the kettlebell they're going to swing and stand up as hard as they freaking can, or especially with a a barbell clean. Right. I've had athletes have 95 pounds on the bar and we're, you know, just warming up with our clean or we're working on our technique or something. And they throw that bar like through their chin. Right. (laughs) And it's like, need to realize how to approach this with a little finesse and how to accomplish that. Why that we have been the background that we've been talking about. So um, as a coach communicating the why communicating expectations and communicating the, how is a, is a solid basis um, of that. Now don't do that and, and don't talk too much and don't explain too much, but communicate all that very succinctly and perfectly every time that you talk.
0: Yeah. Just be perfect.
1: <laughs> just be <laughs> no, better. Just be better. That's
0: better. In reality, that's better. like, it, yeah, just be better. Uh, but in reality, like for the coaches out there, that's, that's what I talk about at the beginning of the lift, right? Yeah. I don't make either. that cue during typically or right before, At the beginning of the entire workout, when I'm explaining what he's doing, I say, this is at a seven out of 10. And I learned from that specific experience, which was two months ago, and he's way better now, but I learned from that specific experience. Look, I need to explain why we're at a seven out of 10. If he doesn't know the why that we're at a seven out of 10, he's like, oh man, like, I'm just going to, I'm a wrestler. I'm just going to bust through this shit and realize, oh wait, we're doing this for 15 minutes and he's not letting me off the bike well, guess what? This sucks. Now the entire workout shouldn't suck. The entire workout should be at the consistent pace for a reason because the work shouldn't be sucky. It should be better. Not hard. And I add, think that's, that's stroke your beard. That's
1: my thing. face. I got no, nothing left in the tank. I mean, as far as addressing your bad habits or addressing like the not warming up, addressing the, the going way over on your perceived exertion on the going hard every time, I think it's, understanding the purpose and and generally understanding the why as a coach, you explain that you create that in yourself as an athlete, you embrace it and you you start to think about, what the the actual reason for a drill is what the actual reason for a whole session is. Uh, but I think that the more that we gain a, a good understanding of that and have a mindfulness and awareness of where you're legitimately at on the effort scale, on the um, understanding and the skill scale in the healthcare realm, have a general understanding of when you're hurt, when you're not hurt when you need to get something looked at and addressed, that awareness is going to be key in almost all of these bad habits. I think early when we were thinking about this podcast, I was like, well, what are we going to talk about when we have, you know, bad habits, we've listed a million bad habits in every podcast that we've talked about. But I think getting the awareness that those are the bad habits and that they need to be addressed is probably the most powerful thing that we can give an athlete or that we can spread the word on is that these are the bad habits. And so they need addressed. this isn't just how it needs to be done, or this isn't just how it's always been done. Those things need to change.
0: Well, and knowing that bad habits aren't specifics. Bad habits are concepts. I talk about all the time when we teach, you want the athlete to know the concept over the specific. I care a lot more that the athlete knows where his hips are in a double leg in any shot in general than that he can hit a good double leg. If you understand where your hips are at in space, that's going to help him with every single movement. The exact same thing can be said for habits, right? It's not just, oh, I need to do hip mobility. It's, I need to incorporate a warmup into my routine. That warmup is variable, but it's not just hip mobility. It is the entire body and following on
1: along those lines. Right. And that goes back to, I think one of the very first initial podcasts we did is, is finding the right strength coach for you, finding the right healthcare practitioner for you, right? It's, it's what coaches are going to give you a fish and say, eat. And what coaches are going to teach you how to fish and enable you to be able to be fed your, the rest, right? So I think it, it's finding that difference and understanding that as a practitioner, you want to be, you know, teaching people how to fish and empowering and enabling, um, while at the same time giving your expert service, not just handing out fish with no context and no clue. You, you create real reliable or real dependent athletes that way. Reliant. Toward.
0: Reliant. But on that note, I think that is actually what we got. <laughs> <laughs> uh so as always thank you guys for listening um also, it was awesome to have you guys listen to this podcast in particular this was one that me and Alex were excited about uh, if you guys have any questions on being able to get out of bad habits different ways that we go about working on that or just want to talk in general our contact information is in the show notes both our email and our instagram um as always like share subscribe do all the cool stuff we love talking to a bunch of people the more people we talk to the happier austin is <laughs> uh, not alex alex doesn't like people
1: yeah austin needs to satiate his ego sometimes
0: 100 um and as always thank you all for listening this was building a fighter this is dr austin shane alex freeman and we are out